Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hey, we got another great episode for you today. Before we get to that, let me remind you to stop by and check out Elite Speaker Workshop. If you are looking for a step-by-step plan on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements, then you definitely want to stop by and check that out. Again, you can find that over at EliteSpeakerWorkshop.com, EliteSpeakerWorkshop.com. Now, recently, we had my speaker friend, Andrew Davis, on the podcast back on episode 168. If you have not listened to that, a great episode. I would definitely encourage you to go back, listen to that, and make sure you dive into everything that, that Andrew covers as well as his backstory there. But in this episode, we decided to have Andrew back because we wanted to dig into the, the nuts and bolts of how after he gets a lead, what does he do with that? So we really, this is extremely nuts and bolts conversation. So if you're a note taker, if you're driving down the road, I would encourage you to pull over. If you have paper, pen, pencil, marker, crown, lipstick, chapstick, nail polish, anything that you need to take notes, get that out because we have a lot to dig into, a lot to cover things, a lot, a lot to cover here. So with Andrew, we're also going to talk about the importance of of tracking things in your business. He talks about the different metrics that he tracks whenever it comes to leads, how long it takes to book those leads, when those leads, when the events are actually happening, how he uses that data and information. We also talk about the kind of an overarching principle of of just having a good system in place for following up on leads, exactly how he does that. So there's really, really some practical stuff here, pulls back the curtain on how a very successful high paid speaker is doing that in his business and how you can implement it in yours. So a lot of great stuff here. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Here is uh, another conversation with speaker Andrew Davis. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Today, we are hanging out once again with Andrew Davis, who joined us uh, actually recently on a podcast. He's back for seconds. Yay. How are you, man? (laughs) Good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. All right. So last time we talked, we kind of left it hanging and teasing about the process, the system that you have behind the scenes to follow up on gigs. And I think this is such a critical piece to speaking success. And I think this is where a lot of speakers drop the ball is that there is no system. You know, you you have some type of of lead or or potential client that you talk to. And it's just kind of, yeah, if you need anything, just let me know and just kind of leave the ball in their court. And ultimately, like nothing happened. So I'm curious, like, what was the process like for you before you you realize like you needed some type of system in place well i mean you you hit on it there like the process used to be just like i don't know i'll you know hey thanks for inquiring here's my rates what else can i help you with let me know how it goes like (laughs) and that's fine when you're doing one gig a month maybe you can still work that way but at the point at which you're getting, you know, 150 or 200 leads a year and you're doing 50 or 60 gigs a year and you have to have a team to help you manage all of that, 
it becomes unwieldy. You get really inconsistent results. You know, it, like some gigs you win for no reason and you don't really know why. Some gigs you lose that you think you were definitely going to get and you still have no idea why. And so honing the system to ensure that you're getting the right gigs to at the right fee over the right period of time so that you're actually generating more leads over time started to become a priority. I mean, it was just, it just, something had to change if I was going to really build this into a real business. Do you like, we've obviously, we got a, a lot of speakers. Both of us have speaker friends in the business yeah. and most of them don't have some type of system. Most of them do just bank on, Yeah. all right, I'll, you know, just let me know if you're interested. And they just really, it's kind of like, there's not really a system at all. They just yeah. kind of like leave it out there. So what do you see are the differences and results between having a system versus not having a system? I think the people that I know that are really successful that don't have what I would call a system, they are just in such high demand right. that they don't require a system. Right. <laughs> you know, the, I see lots and lots of people who I think struggle to close gigs or get gigs that I think if they had a system, they'd have better indicators to determine why they're losing gigs, when they should get you know, what gigs they should use to get more gigs. Um, and I think they'd be much more strategic about it. And so I think there's a real dichotomy. The people that are really successful and in such high demand, they just take whatever they get and they kind of don't worry about the stuff that they're not getting. Uh, but if, I think if you want real consistent business over time, a system becomes a requirement. Right. Very much so. All right. So I want to dig into this. Now, I know that you mentioned on the, the last time we talked that you've yeah. got kind of a, a, a custom software that you've built for this. And so we don't have to get in necessarily the, the nuts and bolts of the software, but more kind of the, 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 the why behind it and the process behind it. So let's just kind of walk this through. If you said one of the main places that you get leads is from the events that you speak at. So kind of refresh us. What, how does that yeah. work? Because for, for most people, they're going like, I, I'd love to get more spinoff business. I just, I just don't know how. So what does that yeah. look like for you? So, uh, so I call these stage side leads. So these are people that within the first 72 hours of a gig, like of, of speaking at a gig, inquire about another gig. And I essentially have a criteria for determining how hot, quote unquote, those leads are. So essentially, I'm looking for, there's basically three types. There's people that walk up and say, you're awesome. I really enjoyed that. You know, I'm a member of an association and I would love for you to speak at one of our annual events. That's like a low quality lead. It's still a lead, but it's low quality. Mm -hmm. Then the, the next tier up is like someone who says, oh, I'm, we have an event on March 15th. And if they have a date, that's already a hot lead, right? And if they say, if they give you an indicator that they're a decision maker, like I'm on the speaker committee for, you know, our annual corporate retreat, that's another hot item. And I'm like, okay, perfect. And essentially what I do is I always take their business cards. A lot of these are literally stage side. They'll come up right after I spoke and they'll hand me a card and say, I think you would be great. You know, March 15th is the date. You know, are you available? Sometimes they'll ask. I, right. It's not like I have my calendar out. And so, and then the third type is the hottest type of lead is usually a C-level executive who says, I love what you said here. We have a corporate retreat every year. It's this year. I think it's in April. I would love for you to speak at that event. So the the, the hottest lead is an executive who can, from the top down, at almost any expense, hire me. And so I take those leads and, and basically on the back of a business card, if they've come in, you know, with a physical transaction, I'll write a little note on it, the date they told me, you know, what the event was about. And I will basically take a picture of it. I, I have a bunch of technology tips. Do those help, Grant? Do no, the totally, audience wants this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I use full contact. Have you ever used it? I haven't. I'm not familiar with it. Full contact's like a contact management app. It helps you sync all your contacts between a bunch of different things. But one of the cool things about it is for like $100 a year or something, you can get a bunch of scanned 
business cards. It doesn't use like optical reader technology. They actually have somebody who looks at the card and then types in what's on the card and sends you back the contact information. And now it syncs, right? So I use full contact to take a picture of the business card, like in the hotel room, it syncs to full contact. And it also will then I have like a Zapier rule or Zapier, whatever the hell it's called, where if it's a lead, I'll tag it in full contact and it'll automatically then add it to my sales guy. His name's Ryan to his kind of to-do list. It alerts him that there's a new potential lead in the marketplace. Generally for stage side leads, though, Ryan doesn't reach out immediately. He'll wait. And when I get back to the hotel room, I usually type up an email with him kind of trying to summarize the conversation and it goes into my system as an inquiry. Okay. So the first status is an inquiry and inquiries, you know, I get a lot of inquiries. You know, they range from, Hey, we're a marketing association with nine people in Fargo, North Dakota, and our budget's a dollar. We'd love to have you. That's an inquiry. We don't have a set date. Like, okay. But they all go into the system as inquiries. The next step is if I interact with them or Ryan interacts with them and they say, you know, it's March 19th, are you available on March 19th? They basically, Ryan will then check my availability. Am I on hold for another event? Am I confirmed already? Is it a blackout date, which means I'm just not available because I'm going on vacation or whatever? And then it'll move to the status date on hold. And I'll just run through the statuses first because then we can talk about the minutiae between these. So date on hold is next. Then it goes from date on hold, essentially, to session description sent. And for every one of the leads, at some point, I'll send a session description. There's also a client theme call status, which these are two are kind of interchangeable. Every event, I have a client theme call with them before we close the gig. Generally, there are a few exceptions. Mm -hmm. And then it either goes to proposal sent or confirmed or released. Like Those are the final three kind of stages. So does those make sense so yep. far? And so is all of that tracked in that software or cause I'm thinking like, I know for me personally, what we've yes. done, we've got, uh, I think four different statuses and they're, we just, they're just color coded on a Google calendar. So mm. like a, a hold versus like an internal hold, which is like, we talked to a client, they seemed extremely interested. They didn't technically ask us to hold it, but it seems like a pretty warm lead. So we'll pencil that in versus a client requested hold versus a, basically like we've talked with them. They said, Hey, we want you to go ahead and book it, but we haven't got the contract back. Basically a contract pending yeah, uh, right. and then a confirmed one. So basically those different statuses and we just, again, just different colors on a Google calendar. So what, yeah. do, what does that look like for you? So for me, uh, it's basically what I realized was er- pretty early on that if I wanted to get anything out of the reporting from this system, I needed to have much more detail as to where I was losing gigs and where I needed to focus energy and effort. Gotcha. So I started, to be honest, just like you, Grant, with like four statuses and a Google calendar and a spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. And as I realized I needed to be able to track where I was losing gigs, when I was winning gigs, what the reasons were for losing gigs, I started to realize I needed a lot more statuses at the pivotal points where I thought I could make an impact. On my thing, I built this like custom thing starting in 2015 using QuickBase, which is like an online database application builder. And anyone can use it. It's really pretty easy, to be honest. Okay. And I started exactly like you're talking about. Just, But here's the key. Every inquiry has to come in. And I think you need to differentiate between inquiries and hold dates because they're very, very important, not just for, I think, the way you approach the lead and the kinds of interaction you want with the lead, but the serious with which you then report on those 
going forward. So I have lots of inquiries, just like you're saying, maybe I heard of an event, like, like, right. let's say Grant, you recommended me, you say, Hey, you should speak at this awesome right. event they, right. you would be great. Right. I put that in as an inquiry into my system. And then I have a different approach to follow up to get to the point at which they put me on hold. Because what I really track is loss rates for hold held dates. And loss rates is really specific. Like if I don't, I don't actually track my win rates. I mean, I do, and I can look at them, but they're not as important as making sure I'm losing enough gigs every month to make sure that were legitimate gigs. These were dates on hold, not just inquiries, right. but dates that I actually put on hold and the client knew it was on hold. When I track the loss rate, I get a good sense of where I'm in the most demand and making sure that I, I'm not in so much of a demand that my price is too high or too little of a demand and my price is too high and no one's booking me. Does that make sense? Gotcha. So do you have kind of a, th- uh, a target range that you're going for of, I want to make sure that I'm winning X percent of dates on a month over month basis? Yeah. So basically you need to always set it a loss rate of 50%. 50% means you're exactly right. You're priced perfectly in the marketplace. You're losing enough gigs that you're going to lose some and you're winning enough gigs that you're going to win some, right? Yeah. If your loss rate gets too high, for example, like I, I was just looking at the data from last year and like in February, my loss rate was like 85%. And that means that I'm too high for the month of February in the pricing I'm quoting, especially when the reason for the release is price or budget. Okay. okay? Gotcha. So now this year I adjusted the expected price and the average price I would actually agree to for a February date to reflect the loss rate correction to get me back to 50%. Okay. And if it goes too low, it's the opposite. So for example, last year, very early on in the year, I realized in September, which is my busiest month, September and October, that I had a a loss rate that was really low, like in in the 20 percentile, which means I was getting all the gigs I wanted and expected to get even at a very high rate. So this year, or sorry, 2017, I upped the rate to ensure that I got back to closer to 50%, which means I can do fewer gigs at a higher rate. In the gotcha. month of September. Okay. So, okay. Let me interject for a second here. Cause if, if I'm listening to this going for some people, they're going, this is amazing. I got to do this. I got to track. <laughs> this. And some people are going, I have no this idea guy's what nuts. you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> so, so for a speaker who's going like, this just seems like overkill. Like this just seems like, you just why, why do you need to do all this stuff? This just seems like way too much work. So what, like, yeah. what would you say to that speaker? I would say that um, the detail at which I've tracked the stuff may sound silly today, but having a system to start with, with some, with a real strategy behind it, no matter where you are in your speaking career is crucial and really ensuring that you deliver a consistent experience for the event organizer time after time is the key to being successful with speaking. All this data and the analysis I do and the pricing I do is me trying to get the business side of speaking into a really practical approach that makes me the most money, to be frank, delivers a consistent and wonderful experience for all the clients and doesn't work me to the bone where I'm exhausted and start resenting the job I have. And one of the points I think you kind of touched on there is the system that you 
kind of go through today isn't the way it started. You, no. you start with version 1.0 of what makes sense for you with where you're at. So, you know, how many gigs a year are you doing? I do about 50. All right. So if you're doing 50 with 200, 150, 200 leads coming in, the system's going to look very different versus if you're doing, I'm trying to do 10 based yeah. on 20 leads that are coming in, you know? So whatever it's going to be is going to be different. And so for everyone listening, just applying this to your situation, your circumstance. But the key though, is that having some type of system and being able to measure and track and going, this is working or this isn't working. Exactly. And I know why or I don't know. And so I'm able to, if I know why, then you can adjust it. Like you mentioned that the pricing or the time of year or some of the competition that you're up against, or you know why things are not working or they are working. And it's not just kind of like this, I don't know, I'm just going to shrug my shoulders yeah. and just hope it all magically works out, which is the way, unfortunately, like a lot of speakers run their business. Let me give you an example of where I started to learn a lot using a system to track what I was doing. So one of the first aha moments I had was I used to go to South by Southwest, you know, which is a, a really fun conference to go to. A lot of my friends, speaker friends go to it. I don't know if you've ever been, Grant, I haven't, but huh? it's a good time. It's really, it's really great. It's an event. It's a beast of an event. And so I used to go to South by Southwest all the time. And when I started tracking my inquiries, my hold dates, over time, I started to realize that I had an inordinate number of inquiries and hold dates that would come in for the same week of South by Southwest every single year. And I had blacked out those dates. Okay. So this was odd. And I realized that maybe this year, and this was probably in 2011 or 2012, I would not go to South by Southwest and see what happened. Because the data led me down this path of realizing that all of the other marketing speakers like me, right, are at South by Southwest. They've all blacked out their calendars and they're not available. And I get this inordinate number of inquiries, which means I can raise my fee for that week and there is less choice in the marketplace. Maybe I should use that week to actually get a bunch of gigs. And every year since I started doing this, which I, I can't remember what year, but 2010, 2011, 2012 is probably the year one of the years I did it. Every year since then, I've realized this is a big win for me. And so the data kind of led me down this path of finding opportunities that I think other people are missing or might be missing. Right. I mean, is this too geeky, Grant? I, people must be like... <laughs> I enjoy it personally. Okay. And again, I think it's just a matter of, I think for everybody, you have to apply it to your own situation yeah. and circumstance. For some people, they're like, this is exactly what I need to be doing. Other people are like, this is way overkill for where I am right now. But uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, the point is that everyone, I think everyone in any situation needs to have some type of system in place. And so this is what we're, what we're digging into. So let's come back to the scenario. Some of those stage sides leads, stage side yeah. leads. You have several business cards that are handed to you. Yep. You make notes on them. You take pictures of them. They go into, so you're basically uploading them to the uh, full the contact. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, what happens from there? Like what's the, so, what's the next outreach or contact or, or what yeah. do you do from that point? So with those leads that are stage side leads, generally Ryan will reach out within 24 hours. Um, Ryan's my sales guy. I think I, I mentioned that. Before Ryan, it was you reaching out to them. Yes. Yeah. When I was on my own and just starting out, it was always me giving people a call. Right. And we do start with a phone call always with any inbound lead. The first thing we do is call. And my sales team is really good at calling like within sometimes seconds of receiving it. I think that high touch relationship really, really helps. And if Ryan can't do it, we actually have a call tree. So if Ryan can't do it, Elizabeth will do it. If Elizabeth can't do it, I will do it. And basically we just notify him like, I'm in a meeting. Okay, Elizabeth, can you call? And she'll call right away. 
I have, um, I have just to piggyback on that. Like I have found that calling immediately makes such a huge difference. So I'm curious for you, like, why do you feel that is that huge. makes a huge difference? I think you have to get in the mindset of the event organizer. They've filled out probably 15 or 20 forms yeah. for speaker requests. No one's gotten back to them and they've been assigned the job of trying to get some information from speakers, everything from budget and availability. And, you know, they've got this hit list of people that they're supposed to hit up and no one's gotten back to them. And they feel like they've put out a disproportionate num amount of work and energy and effort to the response that they're getting. Right. So, you know, the reaction I get, you know, when I do these calls and I get the reaction of the people on the other line, they are so grateful. And I'm sure you see it they're too. They're, they're, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't like, this is so nice of you. Even yeah. if I leave a voicemail, they'll call back and say, I can't believe you got a voicemail to me that fast. Like I just hit the send button. Right. Like exactly. you're so kind. And immediately we also try to let them know about the availability. And so we essentially say, Andrew is available on March 15th. If I am, we essentially say, we're going to hold that date for you. And, you know, let me learn a little bit more about the event. We have kind of a quick hit list of things we try to get good understanding for, for the event. Like what's the theme of the event? How many people are in the audience? What level are they in the audience when it comes to kind of the marketing topics I'm talking about? You know, try to get a good understanding of what they're looking for within the program. Like what's the role of the speaker for this thing? Who's spoken in the past? Those are some of the key questions. Questions. And the next step is to set up a call, a client theme call, we call it, with me and the client to talk about an actual session for them. That's if I am available. If I'm not available, we still do the same process. We still make a phone call. If we don't get them, we follow up with an email and a voicemail. And we say, hey, we're not available. And I have these, I call them referral pages, but I've set up on my website a bunch of hidden pages mm -hmm. where I refer other speakers at different price points. So if we're even on the phone and we get a good sense of their budget and you know they're looking for a $2,500 speaker and my day rate is $17,000 for the day, we're too far apart. It's never going to work. So what Ryan will say is, you know what, that's not going to work for Andrew, but he, there's a, a bunch of speakers he's seen. They're closer to your price point. Let me send you a referral list of his and let me know what you think. My goal is always to get them the best speaker for the event, even if it's not me. Right. And I've definitely turned down events where I feel like I'm not the right speaker and recommended someone else. All right. Let me ask a couple of questions there. So yeah. you, you mentioned that when that lead initially comes in, that you want to call them as soon as possible, which mm -hmm. we've always done as well, especially whenever it comes to someone fills out a form on your site, someone sends you an email and it's some type of inbound lead there yeah. at that moment. Is it any different whenever, again, someone hands you a business card? Because at that moment, obviously you can't call them right that second. It's silly for you to even try. They're at a conference or an event. Mm -hmm. Do you wait a couple of days? Are you only calling the hottest leads or even someone who says, Hey, I'm on such and such an association in Fargo, North Dakota. We're going to host an event sometime. We may be interested. Are you still calling them just based on that conversation? What happens next from there? So for the stage side leads, we actually do call all three types, okay. the types that, you know, from the bottom to the top. And we don't usually wait. Even if the event's a three-day event, we'll call and leave a voicemail and follow up with an email. Okay. And a lot of times we do get a vacation responder because we were just at the event and they're like, we're going to be in Dallas right. for the event until three days. And we, we make a note in the CRM to follow up with them when they're back in the office. And we'll usually do a day after. But we always want them to know that we're responsive. And here's the thing with a lot of those stage side leads. The reason you want to follow up immediately is very often those three types of leads are not the person who will do the clerical task of actually getting in touch with you, signing the contract or getting the contract, telling you about the event, especially if it's the executive level. So a lot of the executives... 
they will get the email from Ryan within hours of meeting me and they will respond with, man, that was so awesome. I can't believe I just met you. It's so nice to be introduced to Ryan. Here's who you really want to talk to. You know, Deborah, who's the event organizer, she knows that she, I already talked to her and she loved the idea of talking to you. She's the one you should speak with. It's always and, Deborah. <laughs> with me, it is. It's like the generic name I always pick. The, ask my wife. I'm always like, hey, the, what's our waitress's name? It's Deborah. Uh, she's like, no, it's not. Um, so yeah, so Debbie, Debbie, well, you know, we found that the it's like responsiveness always trumps like overthinking yes. all of this stuff. Yes. And even if they don't get back to you, it's okay. They're very grateful that you took the time to make the outreach in a proper way. And they know that you're available. Yeah, that, that, res- that responsiveness I've, I found always really helps set the tone of this is what it's like working with us. And yeah, yeah. it has nothing to do with you on stage. It's just the experience no. of off stage because, you know, and we may have touched on this before, but, but I know that if you're a great speaker, but you're a pain in the butt to work with and by pain in the butt, I don't mean like, you know, you're this prima donna, but you're just unorganized. You're sloppy. It takes a yeah. couple days to get things to return emails, takes a week or two to return a contract, you know, just these like simple little things. It makes a huge, huge difference. So that speed of just responsiveness sets the tone of like, this, this is what it's going to be like if you hire exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah, it really does. So I've taken that to the next step as I've been kind of growing this process. So even the online forms that people fill out for putting a date on hold, which is the call to action on my website, even those forms have a very similar process. So like they get a thank you email from me saying, thanks for putting the date on hold. And in it, there's a link to a video of me explaining what we're doing right now. And it's actually kind of a long video, but surprisingly, like, you know, 90% of the people that click on the link actually watch the video all the way through. And it's just a good way to kind of immediately make this kind of you know, much more personable connection with a clear understanding of that, you know, that we're going to walk them through the process and this is going to be a great event for them. And we've done that with all sorts of other stuff as well. So let's say then that you at the event, Ryan or whoever is is making a phone call, uh, they're leaving a voicemail, they're sending an email. What's the nutshell of what that email says? The first email? Yeah. Yeah. The first email is like, Hey, especially if it's an actual, they're all actually the same, but it's like, how did we meet is like the first line. We either you met online or you filled out an email form or Andrew met you at the, uh, at the event. It's a thanks so much for letting us know about your event. We're really excited about it. Usually Ryan will actually go look it up online, especially if it's a public event. Right. He always tries to make like two or three clear comments about the event. Like, it looks like you've had great speaker lineups in the past. People like Grant Baldwin are awesome. It would be so great to have Andrew as part of such a wonderfully organized event. You know, Dallas is awesome in April, whatever. You did your homework. Yeah, did some, exactly. Do some homework. The last line is essentially, uh, what's the status? Is Andrew actually available? Is he unavailable? Is there already a whole date on? And then depending on the availability, it's the follow-up item, which is we'd like to get on the phone with you to discuss it a little bit more, or Andrew's not available, but here's some great referrals. And usually Ryan will have a call with them anyway, even if I'm unavailable. And if there's a hold date, well, we'll we say Andrew's already on hold, but I'm going to reach out to the other people and see if they actually want to go forward with it. In the meantime, let's get Andrew on the phone to have a client theme call, essentially. Okay. So Uh you leave the voicemail, you send an email. Let's say you don't hear anything back. You know, yeah. whether at the event or just the, well, you know, at the moment I was excited, but now I'm, I'm, I'm not super excited or I don't know if I'm actually the decision maker who should be talking yeah. to this guy. Yeah, so yeah. What do you do at that point? How do you follow up and how long do you wait till you follow up? 
Here's another thing the data told us. Basically, any event that's within four and a half months of the date of the inquiry mm -hmm. is essentially a hot lead. Yeah. Okay. So that is like the prime time for me anyway, to close a gig uh, within the next, I know that within the next 35 days, they will be making their speaker decisions and I'll be closing that gig. So if it's, let's say they say it's 2018's event. Uh, sorry, well, I forgot it's 2018 already. <laughs> while we're doing this podcast. If it's 2019, right? If they say March of 2019, we'd love to have you at our event. That is going to be a slow close. And we adjust uh, the amount at which we communicate with them based on how far out the event is. So if it's four and a half months, we're pretty aggressive within those next 30 days of reaching out everything from uh, you know, repeated phone calls. You know, we try not to be a pain in the ass, but we are pretty aggressive all the way up to probably 25 days before the event. If we haven't heard from them, we essentially say, hey, look, have you given up on having Andrew as a, you know, at your event? And usually we get a response at that point. But, but the key is really knowing how far out the event is and your success rate curve for closing gigs. Where is the hot time? Because that's when you need to be very aggressive in ensuring that you get the gig. Does that make sense, Grant? Totally. Totally. Okay. So does that mean that, okay, so if it's within that, that four and a half month window, does that mean that you are, I, I send them an email, I leave a voicemail and how many days is that? Is that two days, three days, a week, two weeks? What does that look yeah, like before you're following it's, up? I'd say it's an average of every two days okay. following up with something okay. um, until we get a response, especially because generally at that point, we've put the date on hold. Yeah. And so we consider it pretty serious to hold a date. I don't think they do, and it's okay. It's right. not, not, not like they care. But you know, for us... We look at the calendar every single day. We look at our, our system, which we call gigs. We look at gigs every day and we see how many gigs are yellow for a, sp a specific month. And it, it even shows you what four and a half months out looks like. So you can say, oh man, four and a half months from now, you know, we don't have many gigs. We need to get aggressive with these gigs if we're going to close them. And so the key though is just knowing what your next action item is and your next step. And again, not, I, I sent an email, I left a voicemail. And so I, I did my part. Now I just sit back and wait. Right. But even following up on that, like you said, I know for us, we've got multiple emails we send out before we send the one that you kind of described. We call it the ball in your court email. Hey, we don't want to annoy <laughs> you. We don't want to be a pain. We're going to leave the ball in your court. If you're interested, let us, if you'd like to talk more, let us know. I'm amazed. You kind of alluded to this. I'm amazed the response rate we get on that. Like we have yeah. so many people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm still interested. I, I'm yeah. busy or whatever. But just again, follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, but then acknowledge like, hey, I don't want to be annoying, but I'm trying to stay top of mind with you. So I'm, you know, I'm passing the baton back to you. If you, if you want to know more, let, let us know. One of the things I try to do is keep them updated as to the status of all the events that are around their event. So like, for example, this just happened actually this morning, I got an inbound email inquiry for an event that happens to be in Boston three days after I'm at an event in three days before I'm at an event in Boston and one day after a Maryland event. So one of those, the Maryland event is on hold, right? So I told, I basically told the Boston event, Hey, I'm available, but I have to be coming from Maryland. And I told the Maryland event, Hey, I'm still available, but just so you know, I have to be out by 6 PM that night because right. I got to get to Boston. And, and I think these logistics help number one, show them that you really care about their event mm -hmm. and that you're, you're making it meaningful for them. You're not just trying to be a hotshot and say you travel all over the place, but like, Hey, I won't be able to make it to dinner. At, you know, I've got to leave by six or, you know, what time is that last panel discussion you wanted me to be on? Because, you know, I've got to get to the airport by six. These things really help them be, get serious about, do they really want you? Because 
crap's booking up around it. Right, you know? right. It's true. Like it's true scarcity of there's only one yeah. of you, and you got to get on a plane and get from point A to point Absolutely. B. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know with you know some of the friends we we uh, one of the Facebook groups that we're in that from time to time one of the speakers will pop in with you know <laughs> I'm in point A and I'm gonna get to point B. What are my options? And Does anyone a, know how to do a it? A lot of speakers that are like, yeah. well, what if you did this flight and you connected through? It's like just we just come out of the woodworks to make. But it is like it does create true scarcity that somebody's gonna have to make a decision here and it. Yeah. And, and and not in a negative way or mean way, but it, uh, but it forces the hand of a de- of a decision maker that yeah. you, you know make a decision or not. Um, so it sounds like ultimately, like the, a key for you is just always having a next action in place. And so it sounds like you are assigning, you know, you or Ryan or whoever on the team is assigning some next task. I left this voicemail today. Here's a quick note, and then here's my next follow up or my next yeah my next action item. Yeah, it's pretty clear because like the client theme. It, for every call or interaction, there's a clear next step on both parties, right? So the client theme call, the output of the client theme call is we always send a custom session description to them, which I always write. Even So um, like, you know, this morning it was for a design oriented conference and I, I'm not a designer, but I talk about marketing and they want a marketer to talk about design, uh, which I don't really do. But I said, let me take some time. And this is what I do with any event, right? Let me take some time to, I, I understand what your audience is looking for, what you want to deliver to help make this, you know, the most impactful event possible. Let me take the day to think about this and write up a custom session description for you. And I'd love to get your feedback on it. So I usually send that within 24 hours and, and my goal goal is to hear back from them. If I don't, which I, I sent one just before the, the, you know, a few days ago, I hadn't heard back. So I called the woman this morning to follow up. And that's my job because I'm the kind of content person versus Ryan as the salesperson. Um, so, you know, we really, every action requires these next steps to keep the ball moving forward and make them feel like their event is the most important event on our plate, no matter what else is going on. And when you have the system in place, it allows you to create that next action. Action, And then you, it's really kind of out of, like, it's off my plate. It's off my radar. Like, I am not yeah. thinking about it. So there may be, you know, if, if we're recording this at the beginning of 2018, and we may, you know, we may talk with a potential client. And they say, hey, our next, you know, our next, or are the board's meeting in uh, That's April. Right. Right. And so I will schedule my next action item based on their board meeting. And I'm not thinking about it. I don't want to, for the next several weeks or months, carry around like, okay, incredible. What happened to that gig? Yeah, right. What was the scenario? And then when April comes, like it pops up and I'm reminded, and here's the, here's the situation and the notes. And you just, you're basing your next action items off their situation and what they're looking for. But just having that system allows it for you to be just kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So you bring up committees, which is an interesting thing because I actually realized I lost a lot of committee oriented decision tree kind of gigs, right? Um, When it was like, what usually would happen is that person A has seen me speak. They would recommend me to the committee, even though they're part of the committee, and then have to be tasked with convincing the committee that I was the right speaker because they all have their own favorite, right? And I was losing a lot of those gigs. So what I've done now is whenever they say, hey, we're having the chair committee meeting for the conference association uh, is meeting on Friday, I actually send a video that I create for the conference committee. Okay. 
And on that client theme call, I try to get all the information I would need to then be able to send a little video that says, hey, conference committee, like, I know you guys have a tough decision in front of you. You're putting together an amazing event. Here's what I'm thinking, um, you know, would make a big impact in the audience. This is my approach to it. And I'd love to help in any way. I try to make it short. Um, and, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Here's my phone number. Call me directly if you want. And that has greatly increased my ability to convert those kind of committee uh, conversations. That makes total sense. Is um, it what, what tool do you use for that? Uh, to sh shoot the videos? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm kind of a video geek. If you could see my setup, it's kind of in the back. But oh, so I shoot... Yeah, I, sh I shoot like on this little Canon G7X Mark II. I edit with Final Cut Pro. Like oh, I, it's so kind of overkill. Nerd. Yeah, it is overkill. I just wanted you to say like you lose use Loom or Screencast. You can I'm like look free tool. You can, and that's the. I mean, I kind of, to be honest, I enjoy the video editing stuff, and I like to make really slick looking videos. And I, for me, this is kind of what I like to do. So for me, it doesn't matter. Uh, but. Any, my point is that kind of personalized contact is what increases your likelihood of actually getting the gigs. Right. Totally. All right. Let's wrap up with this again for a speaker that's yeah. listening. Shoot. Who, that was going, fast. Sorry. Just going like, man, I've got, uh, I have so many, I, so many leads coming in. I feel overwhelmed or I'm dropping the ball. I'm losing gigs because I'm not following up or the speaker who's on the other end of the spectrum, who's brand new going like, this just feels like way overkill. <laughs> and I don't even know where to begin on both ends of the spectrum. The speaker's going, I, I recognize that I need some level of this, but I, I don't, I don't know what to do next. What would you say to them? Oh man, I would say, um, I would say start tracking the things that, uh, that you think might lead to a better understanding of what gigs you're winning and what gigs you're not. Um, and the data could be different for everyone. Like one of the early things I started tracking was that I, I, after every gig, I started putting into my database, what I thought my performance level was on a scale of one to 10. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and a lot of events, if you ask them, they'll, they will send you the, uh, the, the speaker surveys, right. When you get back. Mm -hmm. And so I would start entering those, and one of the things I started to realize that was that like I can very quickly determine now what I believe my speaker rating will be based on my historic performance and what I usually give a gig versus what they usually give. For example, it's like, it's like 2.2 points. So if I say, man, I spoke at that gig. It wasn't, I didn't speak very well. I give it, I give myself a seven on the performance. I could guarantee or expect to get like a 9.2 on the return speaker rates. Mm -hmm. And these things started to help me really understand how the referral process works. Like at what speaker ranking do I need to get um, so that I can guarantee those three referrals every time. And those are the things that started to matter to me. So just pick, if you're going to start, start with one or two things that you think might indicate a trend towards winning more gigs and start tracking those things. Just keep it simple, even in your Excel spreadsheet, and you'll get better and better at understanding what factors weigh into making a big difference in your performance. Yeah. Very well said. All right, man. Hey, hey we man. appreciate you spending some more time with us. If people want to find Thanks. more about you uh, and, and they missed the previous episode, we'll be sure and link up to that. But where uh, where can we go to, to stalk you online? Oh, man. you can, The best place to find me is Twitter, actually. Um, I'm at Drew Davis here on Twitter, and I'm pretty active there. So, you know, feel free to shoot me a tweet, ask me a question, whatever you need, let me know. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my speaker site, if you want to check it out, is akadrewdavis.com, like also known as drewdavis.com. Uh, and that's those are probably the best best ways to get in touch. What's the thought behind the uh, AKA Drew Davis domain? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Andrew Davis was a hard domain to get. And uh, I, 
um, I, basically I had this naming problem when I came out with my first book where I wanted to be Drew Davis known professionally as Drew Davis, but I had written a book in 1996 that was by Andrew M Davis and Amazon won't let you connect accounts uh, with pseudonyms. So I, it, it became a nightmare and AKA Drew Davis just ended up being the one I stuck with. It's not the best choice, but it works. People still find me, which is nice. Well, the reason I ask is there's a lot of speakers who have, who, who are picking their domain and are yeah. really stressed about it. And at some point you, you just pick something and you, you, it works. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It works from now. It's fine. Um, it's, you just, you that's just so true. Yeah, pick something and stick with it and don't stress about it. Yeah. it, does, it I have like uh, the, the call to action at the end of my speech is you've been drewed.com um, and people get six weeks of inspiration over lunch there. And that's been helpful as well. Cool. Awesome, man. We appreciate the time. Thanks, man. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew Davis. Just really good stuff, huh? Did you, did you get some stuff? Is your brain just bubbling over with knowledge? You got some of those fresh baked knowledge biscuits inside of you? I don't know. Something like that, maybe, perhaps. Hey, again, uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We appreciate you joining us for today's episode. Once again, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you may be listening to this show. We really do appreciate that. And we appreciate you sharing the, uh, the message with others. Hope you have a great day. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.